three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, some breaking news to start. Robert Quinn might be traded by the Bears. We'll explain in just a moment. Plus, Brand new interview today with Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, the director of player personnel for the XFL Seattle Dragons. Talk to them extensively about developing a quarterback, Justin Fields, the Bears, XFL football, so much more. It's a great interview. It comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this. I'm not surprised anymore. It's not a bad thing. I mean, Ryan Poles already set the precedent when he came in. Very few players from the old regime would stay, and the emphasis would be on 2023, bringing up camp space, rebuilding now, and getting rid of bloated contracts that Ryan Pace paid out. Saw the Bears part ways, surprisingly, at least a little bit, with Khalil Mack. No more Keem Hicks. A lot of veterans were gone, big contracts gone, even if it meant the Bears would pay money today and not have to pay money tomorrow. That's why the Bears are still on tap for a 20-plus million dollar salary for Khalil Mack, even though he hasn't played it down this year with Chicago. By the way, he's killing it with the Chargers. I don't know if you've seen. I'm not opposed to any of those moves, really. I wish, in some cases, like the Mack trade, the Bears would have gotten more back, but... At the end of the day, I get the idea and the process behind what Brian Poles is trying to do. I understand it. Get rid of old money, create new money in the future, get rid of all these old players and bloated contracts, and have the team have your name on it. That's the whole thing here. Brian Poles wants to inject his name out of the Bears. He wants his roster, his players, his salary, the money he's going to be paying out to all these guys. He wants it all to be in his control, and I have no issues nor problem with it. It's only common sense. You take over a company that's obviously failing, they're going to want to do things to clean things up, then inject your name onto the brand. Common sense. So this report about Robert Quinn is not a surprise, and in my opinion, may truly happen before the NFL trade deadline. Here's the quote from Jason Lockenfora. I'll tell you about him in a second. But he said, quote, 
The Chicago Bears are a mess again. They're in a rebuild, even if they don't want to admit it. Although pawning off Khalil Mack should have been evidence enough. Now, after the Bears told teams through the offseason that they didn't want to part with Robert Quinn, their other veteran pass rusher, multiple NFL executives, have told me that Robert Quinn is indeed being shopped around with the trade deadline a few weeks away. The Bears, quote, want to move him, but they're going to have to eat some of that contract to do it, one GM said. First of all, Jason Lockenfora is technically an NFL insider, but he's gotten a lot of predictions and reports wrong over the past couple of years. Actually, CBS demoted him from being their lead NFL insider because he was wrong so many times. That's a fact. You can look it up. So everything he says, you have to take with somewhat of a grain of salt. He's not Schefter. He's not Ian Rappaport. He's Jason Lockenfora. That said, this entire report makes sense. Now, I looked up what the Bears may have to pay, and this came up from Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, Chicago's going to have to eat some salary to get this done. Robert Quinn will be owed about $7.1 million at the deadline, agreeing to convert $5-plus million of that into a bonus to boost the draft compensation return, and that would make some sense. So Quinn will be owed about $7 million immediately upon trading, and the Bears may have to convert another $5 million of that into a draft-type bonus to make it more exciting for other teams to want him, essentially. As Lock and Four correctly said, the Bears have set the precedent. Ryan Poles has set the precedent. That's why I said I'm not surprised nor even upset by this report. Really, I'm actually pretty happy. Robert Quinn has not produced this year, and it's kind of surprising. He's only a year removed from 18 and a half sacks. He's only a year removed from breaking the Bears' record for sacks in one season. Richard Dent came down. Robert Quinn. And yet now, in six games, only one sack. Only seven tackles. Seven tackles and one sack in six games. Coming off a year where he had 49 tackles and 18 and a half sacks. He will never reach those numbers this year already. It's already been proven. There is no way he'd have to go on a monstrous run over the last 10, 11 games to get there. Not going to happen. So at this point, what's the point in keeping Quinn? And I really don't blame Poles for this. I don't blame anybody for this. I think everyone thought Robert Quinn would replicate what he did last year. That's why he was the one veteran that didn't go anywhere. And the Bears needed some sort of veteran presence on that defense. But think about it. Khalil Mack was washed. I wanted Mack to stay or I wanted the Bears to get more for him, but Khalil Mack was washed. Akeem Hicks couldn't even stay on the field for five games. All these veterans that the Bears parted ways with There was a reason why it happened. For Robert Quinn, there was no reason. There was no reason to cut the tie. And now we're seeing the reason. See, now we're seeing it happen. I think this is why the timing of this seems weird to some, but it's understandable. Ryan Poles already made his mark on this team, and the expectation probably was, well, hey, Robert Quinn's coming off 18 and a half sacks. He'll probably replicate that somewhat. Maybe he'll get 10. We'll keep him around. Good veteran. But now, as we're seeing, he is having some painfully low production. It's looking like crap, actually. So the Bears smartly are looking for a trade partner. Now, in retrospect, I'm sure Poles had gotten it all back. He would have traded in the offseason, gotten more back for him, coming off an 18-and-a-half sack season. I mean, his value is going to be less, right? His 
value is going to be less because he's struggling. But I would say at this point, trade him, get him out of here, and complete the rebuild defensively. That's my suggestion. Complete the rebuild defensively. If you've done it with almost everybody, Mack and Hicks, do it with Quinn and get it out of the way. Get it done. There shouldn't be a big deal. There shouldn't be a problem. There shouldn't be as sentimental as maybe Khalil Mack. The Bears signed him, right? Pace signed him, paid him a lot of money, and he produced for one year, did amazing, and then sucked. And keep in mind, he sucked year one, too. Only had two sacks. We remember the Robert Quinn saga of not rushing the quarterback, getting manhandled defensively, whether or not he was injured. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. He shouldn't have played then. The fact is, first year sucked, and this year sucked. He had one good year and three. That's fine. Time to get rid of him. I'm really okay with this report and this move. And I think it just further cements what Ryan Poles is trying to do with the Bears. And it further etches his name into Bears lore, into his era, if you will. Really. This is Ryan Poles football at this point. And Ryan Poles football right now insists of getting rid of bloated, stupid contracts given up by Ryan Pace, getting rid of these veterans who are going to be owed tons of money and are not producing making the team a little bit younger, and saving cap space for 2023. That's the plan, and right now he's sticking with it to his credit. We don't know if it's going to work. We're hopeful it will, but we don't know. But he's sticking with his guns. I appreciate that from Poles. There are a lot of other problems with him and what he's done to this roster for this year, mainly involving Justin Fields. But overall, financially, he's made some smart, shrewd moves. We've said that all year. This would be... Another smart and shrewd move, and it would be on brand with Brian Poles. They shouldn't be as big a deal as people want to say, oh, the Bears are getting rid of Robert Quinn. Well, what's he doing? What's he done this year to justify the Bears keeping him or paying him even more? I'm waiting. <laughs> very, very little this year that he's done to justify him staying. I feel like there isn't. As much controversy around this move, not like Lil Mac. I think everybody's pretty on board with this. Nevertheless, I'm sure some will not be. I'm sure some will say this is ruining the team. And to those I say, you're wrong here. By the way, this is coming from somebody who is not a Kool-Aid drinker, who actually is an analyst before fan. This is probably the best move the Bears could make right now with Quinn. Really. Best move they can make, you get rid of Quinn, you get something in return. You have to pay some of his salary, but he's not producing. You get rid of the bloated contract, you get rid of the veteran, and you continue on brand. Look, if you want people to buy into you, you have to stay on brand. If you want somebody to buy into your plan, you have to be consistent, right? You have to be consistent. You can't flip-flop. You have to be on par with your vision and what you're trying to do. Ryan Poles for better or for worse, has a vision, and he's trying to execute as best as he could. We don't know if it's going to be right or wrong. Time will tell. But I'll tell you this much. No aging veterans for next year and a lot of cap space moving forward. Maybe it's going to work. But I appreciate him still being on brand. I appreciate him sticking to a plan, not flip-flopping, not going out and being crazy, being overly aggressive, he's sticking with his guns. 
Something Ryan Pace sure as hell couldn't do. Something other Bears GMs in the past could not do. Bill Embry another. It didn't work that way. That's a fact. Again, the quote from Jason Lockenfora, quote, the Bears are in a mess again, and they're in a rebuild even if they don't want to admit it. Although pawning off Khalil Mack should have been evident enough now after the Bears told teams throughout the offseason that they didn't want to part ways with Robert Quinn, I'm being told that Quinn is indeed being shopped around with the trade deadline a few weeks away. Quote, from a GM, I want to move him, but they're going to have to eat some of that contract to do it. And according to Brad Spielberger, Quinn will be owned about $7.1 million at the deadline. So there you have it. Ryan Poles stays on brand. He gets rid of an aging superstar, past tense, who cannot perform, who has one sack, who has seven or eight tackles, who's just doing nothing this year. You could get rid of him before the deadline, get up some of the salary, and move on. This, I think, is the last big, big veteran that the Bears have to part ways with. Leo Mack gone, Team Hicks gone, Robert Quinn may end up being gone. To those who don't appreciate it, to those who think it's a backwards move, I say this is completely the opposite. Robert Quinn's old, and he will never replicate 18 and a half sacks in the season. I think the Bears thought he could, and that's why they kept him, and now they're realizing, nope, bad idea, trade him. Fine by me. Ryan Poles is sticking to his plan. He's going to try and do everything he can to make it work out and come true. And as for Quinn, really, no one wants to hear this, but truly, he had one good year. Bears signed him for three years, paid him a lot of money, had one good year. First year, sucked, and everybody was all over him. I was, everybody was. Last year, everybody was quiet, did great. This year, sucked again. There's no need to sit around with some aging superstar who can't do anything defensively. Might as well trade him, eat up some of the salary, and get rid of the final big veteran on your defense. You've already done a couple in the offseason. Do another one here and move on for good. This is the last gigantic Ryan Pace contract. Move on from it. And I appreciate Paul somewhat sticking to his plan here. Don't know if it's going to work but I appreciate it. It's not worth keeping Quinn. It's not. I'm not going to sit here and defend or stick out my neck for him. I mean, he's done nothing this year. He's making money. Somebody might want him, and you trade him and move on. Because it's either you trade him now or you're going to release him in the offseason you'll get nothing back for him, and that'll be it, right? So there's really no winning here. At this point, I would just... Grab my losses from the former GM and move forward. Pretty simple. And I think the Bears are going to do that here. I think Ryan Poles will do that. And I think this is just another small positive step in the right direction for them. 2023 is going to be the year, at least for spending. And although I have a lot of critiques of Ryan Poles, mainly no offensive line help, no help for Justin Fields, I will say this move is a forward-thinking move. This move is is the right move for the Bears. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Brandy Mueller comes up next, so stay tuned.
Sports on Chicago. For John Zaglula, we have Pat and Brennan for today's special guest. He's the CEO of BuellerFootball.com, host of the Football GM Podcast, and the Director of Player Personnel for the Seattle Dragons. Please welcome Randy Mueller to the program. Randy, it's great to have you on. How are you? Thanks, John. I'm doing great. Good to be back with you again. Yeah, great to have you back. So much to discuss here with the Bears and with some national NFL news. We'll start with the Bears. What do you make of that Bears-Commanders game on TNF? I felt like I was in a dentist chair for about three hours, but <laughs> that's that's become commonplace for these primetime games, not just the Bears. It's been a lot of primetime events, and probably if I was Amazon, I might be asking for a little refund. It's crazy how the quality just hasn't been there this year for whatever reason, and uh, maybe it's the lack of preseason action that a lot of players got, and the first few weeks have been like preseason, but hey, that's part of it. It's a long grind, so I'm hoping the quality gets better, that's for sure. What do you see from Justin Fields in that game? Well, I think I see skill sets. I know the the cries out of Chicago about him not being this or not being that. And I'll be honest with you. I see what they saw when they drafted him. I see a very athletic kid with a big arm. I see some things that he can't do and still needs to progress at doing. I also see him continuing to be put in positions that are going to be a struggle for him. He's not going to process from the pocket and make all the reads and throws. And they're having trouble keeping him upright from that spot anyway. So sometimes I think it's forcing a square peg in a round hole. And maybe that's what you get until he moves along further in his progression at becoming an NFL quarterback. But I'm not ready to give up on him. I do think they've got to tailor make some things. And I'm sure they know that as well. Taylor made some things that he can do well until he gets the confidence. I think the hardest part for me to watch with regard to Justin was that far away look, he had that disconnected feel with offense, you know, this, is he really buying in? Does he know this is going to work? Does he believe it's going to work or does he just hope it's going to work? You know, there's a lot of different levels of confidence when, when systems and plays that, that get sent into you. So I'm still in favor of Justin Fields being the future of the bears, but they're going to have to kind of take a couple veers off the main course of, of what, Luke Getze made the Packers, you know, uh, offense what it was in Green Bay, but this is not the Green Bay Packers, so we'll see. Who's most to blame for this current situation? Is this a fields issue? Is it an offensive line issue, wide receiver issue, Luke Getze? Why is this happening? Well, I think it's all the above, John, and it's part of just rebuilding, right? You've got to have all the tools in place. You've got to have everybody up to speed, and here's the hard thing about it. An on-the-job training situation is not good for the NFL. And we've got people on, on the job training. You may, really, you've got head coach in his first role, coordinator in his first role, quarterback learning a second system in two years, an offensive line in flux built by a GM in his first year. I mean, there's a lot of on the job training going on. So it's just hard to have your expectations be you know, what they should be in an NFL season. You've just got to hope that they can fast forward through this year somehow, some way and build on it because we're all better the longer we get to sit in the chair. And it's just hard when you have so much inexperience. You know what the saying is, right? It, it, education is expensive. And this is this is one of those years for the Bears, I'm afraid. <laughs> Randy Mueller here on Sports Talk Chicago. Randy, when you were a GM, how long would you usually give a quarterback? 
Well, I think you've got to give him two or three years, to be honest with you. And in this case, when you change systems on him after year one, it kind of restarts the clock, right? He is still learning and, and really memorizing an offense and a scheme. He's nowhere near ready to work on the trick, the tricks of his trade. He can't get the second level stuff, third level stuff like NFL veteran quarterbacks can get because he's still learning what's going on. He barely understands what they're asking him to do. That's why I think that the things that could help him progress long-term are going to have, have to happen in time. You can't rush it. And while he learns how to process information and do what they want to do in year three and four, they're going to have to set up some offensive things that give him some predetermined reads, some, some targets where he doesn't have to sort through things to get to the right target. And I think that comes with some play action that comes with some, some moving around in the pocket. It, it almost sounds like the reincarnation of Mitch Trubisky, to be honest with you. It's stuff we talked about a few years ago. And, and I think the Bears struggled to, to put Mitch in the right spot. And, and this, this, it's not easy. It's a hard process to make. But I think if we're going to make him stand in the pocket and process information, it's going to be a long season because that's not what he does. And they can't protect him in that spot anyway. So why try to do it? Why can the Bears never develop a quarterback? That's a big <laughs> question. But why is it always an issue? Well, I think uh, I'll say this, and again, it's not anybody's particular blame, but evaluating quarterbacks is done pretty successfully around the league, and it's done better by some than others. I don't know their criteria. I don't know how they dig in and do it. I've never really struggled with that part of it, from the evaluation part, um, but then you have to develop them. You've got to give them tools and answers on offense, and you can't make it so simple that the defense can't stop, you know, can't figure things out either. So there's a fine line. If you went to strictly play action, predetermined routes and targets, the defense would kill you. That's just the way they are. They're good. And defensive coaches are good. So there's a fine line there, but as far as developing it, I think you've got to grin and bear it. No pun intended for two or three more years and see where he comes out on the other end. What was your process in developing a quarterback and then evaluating whether or not you should stick with them after a couple of years? Well, I think it depends on the system and it depends on where you are as a franchise for sure. I think a, a wide open passing attack is great on paper. You can make it sound like, hey, we're, we're doing everything we can to give this kid the best chance ever. He was not polished coming out of Ohio State. He held the ball too long there. So that's not you know, going to change overnight. It's just going to take time. Zach Wilson wasn't ready, but he was further along than Justin Fields was, in my opinion, coming out of college. And now you're just starting to reap some of those uh, rewards. And he's in the second year of his system. Justin Fields hasn't had that. And that's been a problem for the Jets back going to the last 10 years. They've struggled to do, evaluate and develop quarterbacks, too. So it's not just the Bears. But I think you just got to give him time and you've got to give him a system that he can get confidence built up so they can progress to level two and level three type things that the NFL guys do. What do you see good out of fields today? I see a very good athlete. I see a big, strong arm. I see a guy that can make plays happen on the edge. Um, all things that we said about him coming out of Ohio state. The other thing that I think they've got to do better is they've obviously got to protect him. They've got to find a way to block. They're not going to run or pass if they can't block any better than they've done. And they know that the, the weapons are limited on the outside. It's a total rebuild that you don't get these jobs and come in to a polished, you know, machine, right? I've been through it two or three times and it's a struggle. It's, it's hard to get things turned around quickly, but I do think they have the right people there. I think they'll find a way to make the offense 
tailor-made a little better for the quarterback in time. And then they've got to find some weapons for him to throw the ball to. What do you think needs to be improved upon weapons-wise? Like, what do they need? Is there anybody on this team that's worth keeping right now? Well, I don't know the guys like you do. I mean, your, your leading receiver, I believe, has 17 catches. So that's not <laughs> anything to write home about. And that's really not a reflection of him, per se. Sure. But the system's got to sort a little bit of that out. I don't think you can ever not be looking to upgrade. And and I'll say this, when when I get a quarterback like Justin Fields, I'm going to get him backs that can catch. I'm going to get him a couple of tight ends that he can lean on and maybe a slot receiver or two that can get open. So I've got guys I can trust. When I'm in a jam, I'm finding them. And sometimes it's bigger guys. You know, Philip Rivers for years used to go to a- Antonio and, and he'd throw him the ball whenever he got in trouble. And it was 6'5", throw into 6'5". There's something to be said for that. You've got to get guys that are open even when they're covered. And then Justin's got to rely on that to, to get them when he's in trouble with the ball. So there's a lot of things. It can be complicated, but I think patience is the hardest thing to come by, especially when you're struggling at 204. How important is that safety blanket type wide receiver? I know you mentioned Antonio Gates and Phillip Rivers. When you were a GM, did you do something like that for your quarterbacks, find somebody who could be a safety blanket and didn't work out. Oh yeah. I think you always have to be cognizant of that. Again, you have to involve your backs as well. I don't think the backs with the bears are catching a ton of balls. So that's not really an option. I think you've got to give this kid check downs. You've got to give him easy throws. And really the last thing on his mind when he leaves every huddle, if I'm Justin Fields should be, where's my fail safe? Where's my fallback? Where's my check down? And I mean, I played quarterback throughout college. It was the one thing I remember always, and maybe it was because I wasn't as good as these guys, but I wanted to go, I wanted to have somewhere to throw the ball when all else fails. I don't know if that's the case. It's hard for us on the outside because we don't know what they're asking him to do per se, but I do know this, that you've got to have check downs. You've got to have dump offs. You've got to have all these things that also keep you from taking sacks too. Who was the best quarterback that you drafted and developed yourself? I'll be honest with you. We didn't draft one. I've never drafted one in the first round. Um, we signed John Kitna, who who played uh, 13 years in the NFL as an undrafted free agent. Um, signed Warren Moon, who was already close to Hall of Fame status. Um, my year, my years in New Orleans, we had uh, Aaron Brooks. We had Jake DeLome. We had uh, uh, two more guys, uh, Ricky uh, Blake. Jeff Blake, uh, all three were in our on our one year roster, and they all became NFL starting quarterbacks. So they can come in all shapes and all sizes. Hey, look at the team the Bears are facing this week: Bailey Zappi, fourth <laughs> round pick. It's not like you got to go up high to get these guys; they're there. But that's what I mean. You've got to be able to have a knack for identifying what these traits are, and then bring them into a system that can develop them. So you don't have to pick them in high in the first round, in my opinion. What are those traits? Because you had a lot of success getting these undrafted guys, these late round guys. What are the traits that you look for in finding maybe a value quarterback or somebody that you could use that wasn't necessarily a top pick? Well, I think there's a couple things. And again, everybody's criteria is different, but I always found that I got to have a guy that can get the ball out. I think that's the most underutilized skill set in the league. These guys get rushed and they're all going to be under the gun. They've got to be able to get the ball out and they got to be able to throw accurately. Nowadays, you have to be somewhat able to process information because the tons that go into each play, the, the guy on the street would shake his head and, and, and beat it against the wall because he couldn't compute all the information that these guys have to take in and, and push out 
every snap. So those are really important. I always like to have a big guy because the pocket is never clean. It's, it's, it's seldom clean now. And you've got to be able to, to stand the being jostled around in the pocket. And I think Justin has all these skill sets. Now it's a matter of just, uh, putting together a system that can get him over the hump and give him some time to feel comfortable. What would you do right now if you were in Brian Poles' chair? Watch, grin and bear it. Hope that your hope that your coaches <laughs> can can shape some kind of an offense around this guy's skill set. But you'd have had that conversation before you ever hired anybody. That 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 would have started way back last February or January, whenever that was. So uh, I would be trying to find better weapons. I would be trying to upgrade my offensive line any way I could. Um, I would probably spend a lot of time, and maybe Ryan does, is on the road as well. Um, there's not much you can do around the office on on Thursdays and Fridays. So I would always spend my time traveling and finding college players that I really wanted to target come the end of the season. So I, I'm sure he's doing some of that. He came up on the scouting end. He doesn't need my advice, that's for sure. But there are some things you can kind of look ahead and and try to help your team with. And I would make a bunch of effort to trade people uh, on trade deadline, which is coming up November 1st. That's not where these guys are going to get rich and rebuild this franchise. It's going to be through the draft and identifying some ascending free agent talent, not guys that have already made it where we got to pay big money to but some ascending younger guys that may not have worked out somewhere else. Those are the keys that I think. And I've had luck doing that. Um, you can find free agents that are either restricted or after their fourth year that haven't played, haven't been productive. Maybe it's injury. You've got to take a little bit of risk on those guys. It's less financially. I think those guys help you rebuild faster than just draft picks. So it's a combination. What was an example of that that you did in either in Seattle or in New Orleans or Miami? Well, we were, when I went to New Orleans, we changed, I want to say, 35 of the 53 guys on our roster the first year. Wow. And we didn't have draft picks. So we had to identify a bunch of those young ascending guys. We signed uh, a corner who was with in Seattle. I, I, this is one thing, not to change the subject, but if I was Ryan, I would identify guys with the Chiefs that he knows that he was part of drafting. And for whatever reason, they hadn't worked out. I brought five or six guys with me from the Seahawks to New Orleans that very first year. And they knew how we wanted to do things. They kind of knew the system and I knew them. And I knew they were good quality guys. So they fit in and helped us come together as a team fast. We went to the playoffs our first year. Those, those are tough you know, goals to, to, to follow. We all want to do that, but it takes some identifying of, like I said, ascending talent to get you there. When do you expect the bears to be good again, Brandy? <laughs> that's, that's if a ever. tough question, but I would assume that they will be progressing by season's end. I really do. I think you ought to be able to see that this team's coming together a little bit. And I would hope by next year, uh, you, you see, it doesn't necessarily always take shape in the form of the wins and losses, but this is a team that's got to be competitive every week at some point. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're probably not pulling the right triggers, you know. Um, obviously, Ryan needs help. He can't build it himself. I don't know the people he's hired around him, but if I was him, I'd find some veteran uh, eyes and evaluators to kind of help do some of this. Everybody always wants to have their guys. But I always wanted to make sure, and this wasn't hard for me, I wanted to make sure I wasn't the smartest guy in the room, that I hired a bunch of experienced guys because, like I said, education is expensive, and I want their opinions. I really want it open. I want people to tell me what they think about players, and I can look at film and tell you myself, but I want others' opinions because none of us are smarter than all of us. 
I remember we talked when Brian Pace was fired by the Bears. You, of course, used to be his boss. And you said at the time he didn't necessarily surround himself with the right people that hurt him. So obviously that's pretty important to be a GM. If you surround yourself with the wrong people, you could be out of a job. Well, you saw what happened with Ryan. I think he was kind of rushed into the situation to start with. He'd only been the personnel director one year, I believe, at the Saints. So I'm not sure he was, and he would probably admit that he was even ready for that. It would have been a real good opportunity for him to add some some veteran caps, some people who had been around a little bit. He didn't really do that. Um, and again, we saw the results of that. So hopefully Ryan Poles does things a little different and and surrounds himself with people he can trust. Same with Matt. Uh, and, and that's really the way you gain, gain ground is to find and evaluate players better than the next team. What to come with Randy Mueller in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Randy Mueller still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Randy, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the Dragons. How's it been going? It's been going good. We don't have a team yet. We have a couple quarterbacks, but that's about <laughs> it. We, we have a draft coming up in November, and we have been grinding like crazy. And I love the building process from scratch. And we've got a good coaching staff. We've got a good group of guys, and and we're we're really populating a draft board just like we do in the NFL. So we're anxious to actually put what we have on paper on the field. And that starts mid November for the XFL guys. What's the process been like in making that draft board and then also grabbing the quarterbacks that you got too? Yeah, it's been fun for me because that's what I've done my whole life. So uh, putting together a criteria with the coaches who I know well, you know, Jim Hazlitt's our head coach. June Jones is our offensive coordinator. He and I have had a long history together. So it's like riding a bike. We can get together, all of us, and we kind of know exactly, or I should say, I know what they want to do on both sides of the ball. So it's easy for me to fit guys in knowing what Jim does, you know, Jim was with me in new Orleans. So, so we go way back and that part of it's been good. I think the quarterback part of it, and we've kind of loosely attached ourselves with a couple quarterbacks that we've selected. Um, and so those are guys. That we, and I guess the best thing I like is that they're going to battle for a job and th- these XFL games or whether it any spring league, the film that these guys can produce 10 weeks in the springtime is like a tryout for 32 teams. And it is a, it's fun to see these guys when they come to us, it's for the right reasons. They want to get on tape. They want to show what they can do. And it's a great opportunity for these guys. So I look forward to helping some of our guys get back to the NFL. Would you be open to revealing who the quarterbacks are, or is that too early to ask? I think I'm going to sit on that right now, John, just because I don't know who knows. And, uh, I know they know and because we're already working with them. And I think the other seven teams know that as well. But I'll let the, the Rock and those people and make the announcements. I'm going to stay in my lane at my pay grade and just keep building the team. How would you describe what you want your roster to look like? I want it to look like uh, uh, what our schemes reflect on offense and defense. I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, we want big, fast guys. But we're like, what we really want is guys to fit. June Jones has a unique offense. It is the run and shoot. It is four wide outs. 
It is one back. We don't have a tight end and we're going to throw the ball 75, 80% of the time. And these, these positions that he has have specific roles and criteria. So my goal is to fit guys into those roles. Same thing on defense. Ron Zook is our defensive coordinator. Him and Jim Hazlitt have worked together for years. I know exactly what kind of players, what, what they want to do with our players. Now it's up to me to find them. It'll be a three, four scheme that uses third down pressure packages. So we got to have a few pass rushers. If they're undersized, I don't really care. Think of the Steelers and the guys they rush the passer with could be 5'10", 5'11", six foot guys, but they can still rush the passer. So that it, it more than measurements or, or eye test to winning, getting, getting off the bus. I, I would hope our, our system and our team reflects what our coaches want to do on either side of the ball. What's going to be the expectation for this year? How lofty do you have your standards for this season? Well, I would hope we are going to win the thing. That's our goal. I mean, I'll be disappointed <laughs> if we don't. I think from a league standpoint, um, it is a viable. It's been proven to be viable that people will watch spring football. I think the quality of our game will be better than the last XFL. Um, and that's really all I can speak for. I, I have found this, the quality of players this year that aren't in NFL camps or on NFL rosters is crazy good, John. Whether it's because of COVID or the colleges having an extra six year there's a lot of really good players on the street that didn't get opportunities or that got released more so than i've ever seen in all of my years in the nfl so it's a good time to be building a team from scratch brandy before we finish up today last question what made the saints training camps your favorite ones in your career the passion of the fans without a doubt I mean, we had training camp in Thibodeau, Louisiana. That's 60 miles south of New Orleans. When when somebody said, hey, you should go to 60 miles south and check it out, I said, well, we're going to have practice in the middle of the sugarcane field. That's in the swamps. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing down there. We went down there and checked this out. We would practice every other day at night. We'd practice 7 o'clock at night. We would pack Nickel State. There would be 14,000 people in there watching us practice. They would cheer and boo walk through. And I used to say, do they know we don't want to make the play on the ball, knock it down? It's a walkthrough. You know, <laughs> the fans are awesome. And that's really what did it for me. It was the best football environment I've ever been around. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate the insights as always. Best wishes with the XFL and looking forward to the next time we chat too. Thanks, John. Looking forward to it anytime. Great talk there with Brandy Mueller. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk Chicago. Really appreciate you tuning in. Remember, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?